everybody, thank you so much for tuning into this episode of the Four String Sports Podcast. I'm your host, Brady, with my co-host, Mitch and Skyler. Gentlemen, we're talking about everybody's second favorite team from Texas, the Dallas Cowboys today, heading back uh, into the NFC. The Cowboys, in year two of the Mike McCarthy uh, tenure, made the playoffs, won the NFC East, but season fell apart pretty quickly there against San Francisco in the wild card round. Um, Cowboys finished last year uh, 12 and 5. Their season started off with a really fantastic showing against the reigning Super Bowl champion Tampa Bay Buccaneers in week one. They lost that game by two points. Um, they then proceeded to win their next six games, beating the Chargers, the Eagles, the Panthers, the Giants, the Patriots. Got, uh, went into the bye week, came out of it, beat the Vikings, lost to Denver 30-16, to came back and obliterated the Falcons 43-3. to They were at 7-2 and before back-to-back losses to the Chiefs and then uh, the Raiders on Thanksgiving. They then rattled off four straight wins, beating the Saints, uh, Washington football team, the Giants, and Washington again. Lost to the Cardinals crushed the Eagles in week 17 to finish 12 and five before a 23 to 17 loss in the wild card round against the eventual, uh, or against the San Francisco 49ers when it had gone to the NFC championship game. Um, Dak Prescott started 16 games last year, finished 37 touchdowns, 10 interceptions, just under 4,500 uh, yards. Ezekiel Elliott had another thousand yard rushing season with 10 touchdowns as well. Tony Pollard put up 719 rushing yards. Um, and on the receiving end, C.D. Lamb was just phenomenal. 79 receptions, 1,102 yards, six touchdowns. Got six touchdowns out of Cedric Wills Jr., eight touchdowns out of Dalton Schultz and Amari Cooper. Um, really solid production. And then defensive rookie of the year, Micah Parsons, on your uh, defensive end. And, and really a, a much better defensive showing out of the Cowboys last year uh, with Dan Quinn. So we'll kick it off with Mitch. Mitch, what were your thoughts on the uh, 2021 Cowboys? I just love that for a second straight episode, I get the brag over a win over Brady. I mean, I said Michael Parsons would be that guy since the first preseason game. He's like, nah, he ain't going to be anything. And, you know, he wins defensive uh, rookie of the year with 13 sacks. Uh, you know, he really stood out. And I think he's a big reason why that defense uh, was able to uh, take that next step forward under Dan Quinn, just because, you know, we saw it at Edward Dusher. 13 sacks, he's able to play linebacker, such a versatile piece for them. Um, that was a really great um, move by them. Um, it was nice to see Zeke come back in the form. It was looking pretty sketchy the past couple of years, but he was able to recover and, like you said, have over 1,000 yards, 10 rushing touchdowns. Um, they definitely needed that. Um, and then Trayvon Diggs was really interesting player to watch last year. Of course, the 11 interceptions was amazing, all that, but the couple that with like over a thousand yards given up, uh, truly boomer bust. Uh, that was interesting to see. Um, and just a couple of guys that really stood out to me that were like uh, under the radar, like Cedric Wilson had a really nice year as that uh, third wide receiver for them. And then J. Ron Curse, uh, after kind of bouncing around for the league, really came on and really solidified himself as a safety last year. It was uh, nice to see. But, yeah, last year was just weird, especially with that, uh, um, you know, the whole uh, Dak-like situation in the playoffs where they tried to quickly, like, kneel the ball, and uh, but they didn't let the ref touch it. And um, and then leading the league in the – with the most penalties uh, last year, 
is really weird, especially given a guy like Mike McCarthy, who's been in the league for how long. So mm-hmm. that really shouldn't be an issue. Um, yeah, it was just kind of the typical like uh, Cowboys ride. They look really good on paper. They have a couple of good games where they look amazing. And then uh, anything that can go wrong will go wrong eventually. Um, I always have to, I have to figure out what I predicted for them last year because I can't remember what I did. Um, because I mean, all in all, the Dallas the Cowboys did good. I had them going ten and seven. What did they? Did they go ten and seven? Twelve and five. Twelve and five. Okay, so I was wrong by two. Um, but I mean, I thought that the what they were able to put together was good. I also have to agree with. I, I I love when my cousins pointed out to be wrong. So congratulations, <laughs> Mike, uh, Mitch. Um, Micah Parsons, I thought he was going to be good. I definitely thought he was the top linebacker in the draft. I didn't think he was going to be that good. Um, continuously did amazing things for this team. Uh, uh, showed that he was going to be good. I do also think I remember uh, Mitch saying that uh, Penn State wasn't going to be good because Micah Parsons wasn't coming back at all. Um uh, so and Penn State beat Wisconsin, so uh, it just comes full circle. Um, but I, I, I think that what the system of how Mike McCarthy is coaching this team is starting to work to a degree. Going twelve and five is amazing. Doing those kinds of things, doing those kinds of things is great. Um, getting Dan Quinn, keeping Dan Quinn was a big win for this team. Um, he showed out to be a, a really good defensive call. Uh. A caller, um, he moved away from uh his set in stone like zone three defense, zone one defense, um, and used his most his best weapon uh as as well as he could. Um, the one thing I will have to say is that we still don't really know what happened in that call against San Francisco without running play. Um, I do agree with Mitch and I'm sure Brady agrees too that um as a veteran head coach and who's known for a lot of like come from behind wins um for having a come from behind win in that stadium uh I you, you it's 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 starting to think is how many of those were because he had Aaron Rodgers as quarterback and how many of it was because he was actually making the right calls as a head coach um kind of it's kind of in the middle. I remember Brady saying last season that Mike McCarthy had problems with clock management multiple different times. Mm-hmm. Um, oh yeah, and that's yeah. something. And that's something where it's like you you have a super athletic quarterback and a, a quarterback that's I don't know if underrated is the right word, but um, not like doesn't get as much credit as he deserves. I guess is the better one. Um, he's not nearly anywhere near Aaron Rodgers, and with losing some of the offensive weapons that you have. Um, it's going to be interesting to see how they step up from there and uh, how they protect Dak so he doesn't break his other ankle. Yeah, um, you know, Micah Parsons, he was aight. Um, Could have had 14 sacks, but, you know, whatever. We didn't um, him. <laughs> no, I mean, I'll, I'll eat crow on the Micah Parsons pick to a certain extent. The same way that, that uh, you know, I... I this was long before we ever recorded, but uh, when the Dallas Cowboys drafted Ezekiel Elliott over Jalen Ramsey, I thought at that time that was a franchise deciding mistake. And I, in the long run, I feel justified in that one. 
Um, so I'm not willing to give up on my Micah Parsons take yet, but he had a fantastic rookie year. Um, my issue with Dallas 12 and five overall nine and one against teams that didn't make the playoffs last year, three and four against teams that made the playoffs last year of those three wins, one against new England, two against Philadelphia. So they didn't beat a team that made it out of the wild card round of the playoffs last year. They didn't beat a division winner last year. They had a couple of close games, right? Week one against Tampa Bay. Um, They played Kansas city 19 to nine. But the Thanksgiving day loss against the Raiders was just horrendous. What was that where they were, they became the most penalized team in a single game in NFL history um, with the multiple, what 40 plus yard defensive pass interference calls. Um, it, it, it was horrendous. Uh, Dallas is, is penalties last year. They, they cost them so many games. There were moments throughout last season. Remember they started six and one, they were uh, seven and two. They got up to 11 and four. There were moments where this Dallas team was fighting for a one seed. Now they ended up with the three seed, I believe if I'm correct with my uh, uh, seating there. Um, so not, not awful by any means and definitely a, a fantastic step given that last year or two years ago, the NFC East was won by a team who finished below 500 in Washington. Um, but the same bugaboos of Mike McCarthy's tenure in green Bay have come back in some aspects. This is a very good defense. They gave up the fewest amount of plays per drive and the fewest amount of points per drive on the defensive end, but they were 20th in, Uh, passing yards allowed they were 16th and rushing yards allowed they're just a very middling defense their biggest bonus was the amount of turnovers that guys like Trayvon Diggs were able to create for them but hey let's call up the 2018 Chicago Bears and ask them how well consistent turnovers happen in the NFL they just don't and that's that's my thing with the Dallas Cowboys right now is that they felt very much like okay, this offense is pretty good on paper, but a lot of it is because their defense is getting stops, is forcing turnovers, and their offense is having less field to work with. Um, and that wasn't the case in this in playoff game against San Francisco. Now, the 49ers were a very underrated football team throughout that playoff run. None of us had the 49ers beating the Cowboys, I don't believe, and none of us had the 49ers beating the Packers the next week. Um, and they ended up doing both of those things. So a severely underrated football team in San Francisco, Dallas shouldn't hang its hat on, on that loss, but it's the small things that for a veteran quarterback, like Dak Prescott for a veteran offense that they run for a veteran offensive coordinator in Kellen Mond and for a veteran head coach in Mike McCarthy, you, you have to be better than that. You, you absolutely have to be better than, than, um, than a lot of just the silly turnovers, the silly mistakes the penalizations and the mental mistakes that just shot you in your foot throughout the entirety of the season. Great. You swept Philadelphia and you did it in convincing fashions, uh, fashion both times, 41 to 21, 51 to 26. But we've talked about the Eagles who have gotten better uh, even just today with some of the trades that they made. Um, And we're going to kind of segue now into the Dallas Cowboys and talk about who they added. And we'll see what the boys feel about that. But, the Cowboys key to success here has to be continuing to win the NFC East. That's a division that's going to knock each other silly every single year. And the Cowboys need to be above that. They've had a lot of success against Washington and the giants the last few years, but they, we all know they need to keep the success up against the Eagles. Um, So we've already talked about some of the key uh, Cowboys cast offs from last season, Amari Cooper gone. He goes to the Browns. 
Keanu Neal goes to the Buccaneers. Uh, Cedric Wilson Jr., who me and Mitch uh, talked about here, he goes to the Dolphins. Um, uh, da, 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 da. Who, uh, Randy Gregory, who we talked about, goes to uh, Denver after a botched contract situation. Uh, but the Cowboys did also add some pieces, brought Dante Fowler Jr. in from uh, the Falcons, brought in Anthony Barr from the Vikings, both defensive guys, um, uh, as well as some others. So taking a look at who they added and who they lost uh, in free agency. And I guess if you also want to include keeping Dan Quinn um, in there, what stands out to you guys about the Cowboys free agent moves? Uh, yeah, man, this is not a good offseason for them. I mean, they just lost a lot and it's starting to hurt them. Um, you know, just starting off with the wide receivers, you lose Amari Cooper, who was your number one for the longest time, Cedric Wilson, who came into his own. Um, and now it's not looking good for your wide receiver car going into the season with uh, Michael Gallup was coming off an injury. And now James Washington, who you brought in from the Steelers to replace one of those guys is hurt and probably not going to play the first couple of weeks. So it's really just CD lamb right now. And I think that's going to be really tough for them. And then losing guys like Connor Williams and Leo Collins. And and sure, they might not be like Pro Bowl, all pro kind of talents, but they're really solid for what they can do. And um and this line definitely needs it because right now it's it's pretty in shambles and Dak's gonna be running for his life a lot. Um and then uh for what they did pick up, I did like some of the defensive uh moves that they did. Uh, bringing, a, bringing in a guy like Dante Fowler, who Dan Quinn obviously knows from Atlanta. Um, he had a pretty decent season last year, 36 tackles, four and a half sacks, three forced fumbles, and 17 pressures. Um, so hopefully he can add some juice to that pass rushing department. And then getting a guy like Anthony Barr um, was also smart. Uh, he kind of took a step back from what we know him as but still pretty productive, 72 tackles, three tackles for loss, two and a half sacks, and three picks. Um, I like those moves specifically just because it really allows Dan Quinn to put Michael Parsons in the best position. Because, say, if you want to put him at edge, then you have a guy like Anthony Barr in the middle. If you want to put him at linebacker, then you have a guy like Dante Fowler to help out with the pass rush. So I think that was a really smart by them to allow them the flexibility to do whatever they want with Michael Parsons now. Uh, yeah. Um, I'm for additions. I, I completely agree with the two defensive side, the two additions on the defensive side. They were really the only additions that I saw that were worth highlighting. Um, for the same reason that Mitch brought it up, it's if it gives you flexibility in those two positions, you're getting veterans at the edge and in the mid and at middle linebacker that allow Micah Parsons to kind of float wherever he needs to be. Um, Again, relatively productive veterans that we're seeing kind of the best of them in the past. Um, but that doesn't mean that they aren't smart players and they aren't capable players and that they can't add something to this team. Um, in terms of losses, Leo Collins' loss is going to be uh, bigger, specifically a lot bigger, specifically with Tyron Smith going down. Um, not having him on that. He, I, I would disagree. I think he is a Pro Bowl caliber offensive lineman. Um, Tyron Smith? Because, no. Uh, Leo, Leo Collins. Oh, Leo Collins. Okay. Because you now go from having, you know, one of the like one of the better offensive lines in football to now we have to wait and see. Um, because you went from having Tyron Smith, Leo Collins, and Zach Martin on this offensive line to Zach Martin. Um, so it's like that's scary, specifically for a guy that has a bad angle. So Leo Collins' loss is much bigger. Um, and it kind of points to the fact that like the the 
um, intelligence in what they put onto their offensive defensive side of the ball. They're not putting to the offensive side of the ball. I will say a big loss on the defensive side of the ball that I thought was Keanu Neal. Um, he was uh, a smart, uh, a smart player that was that was playing that safety position um, that Dan Quinn brought over from Atlanta. They so he knew Dan Quinn's uh, system of defense, what he wanted to do, the language they had, and now he's gone. Um, you could probably he wasn't the best safety, but having that presence in terms of specifically helping guys adjust, knowing the defense already, um, and the second year, like you're still going to be doing a lot of things. Um, you might be implementing new things into the defense um, that you weren't in the last year and not having someone that knows how to do those kinds of things is big. Uh, Ray, I, I know I talked in the Denver episode at nauseum about Randy Gregory. Um, me and Brady got into a fight over Randy Gregory. I don't think it's worth going, having another <laughs> argument about it now. Um, I mean, uh, sorry, I have to look. Um, you you do lose Va- Leighton Vander Esch again. It's not like a huge loss, but that's an okay one. Um, and then lose no, they, lose. They, they, they brought him back. They resigned. Oh, back. sorry, not having glasses sucks. Um, you lose Zerline. Um, replace him with Brett Maher. Uh, so two different Nebraska kickers coming in, um, which is interesting. I did, did not know that would exist. Um, and then the other big signing that you had, I guess, of bringing in people and not like losing them was James Washington. You brought James Washington Washington in to counter the loss of um, uh, uh, Cedric Wilson Jr. and Malik Turner, and now he's out for the season as well. So when I'm, uh, in additions, offensive, off, offensively, it's super lackluster. Defensively, it looks good. Um, but I don't know how well that's going to have them ha- help them going into this next season, specifically, like Brady said, when I'm looking at the Eagles, I'm looking at Washington, um, and even the Giants, who all have made steps either in the right direction or have stayed kind of middling. And again, even if Washington has, I we I know we all disagreed about it, um, but Washington still has a stout defensive line. And the fact that you lost, you now Zach Martin's really the only capable starter on that offensive line, and you didn't make efforts to replace that. Um, that's rough. Yeah, I mean. You know, not to beat a dead cowboy here, but the offensive line for Dallas is is horrendous. I mean, a guy that you guys didn't really touch on is also losing Connor Williams, your left guard to yeah. Miami. He started 30 games for you the last two seasons at left guard. So from a, a football team who not too long ago, this was an offensive line of Tyrone Smith, Lyle Collins, Zach Martin, Travis Fredericks, and was probably a top three offensive <laughs> line in the NFL to now it's Zach Martin and that's about it. Now they they address some of it in the draft and we'll talk about that as well, but I've seen Mike McCarthy. Let me, let me rephrase this. I've seen the Packers work wonders in the Mike McCarthy era with offensive lines, cutting guys who are fan favorites and having them replaced by guys who are just as good, if not better. Um, This doesn't feel like what's happening with Dallas. What doesn't make sense to me looking at their offseason was the amount of guys they lost, the amount of guys they brought in, not stacking up to the fact that this team still has about $21 million in cap space left to spend. There are plenty or were plenty of street free agents who could have gone out and seriously helped this team um, on the offensive line, in the wide receiver room, um, at on the defensive uh, side that the Cowboys haven't gone out and spent the money on. Um, you have the deal fall through with, uh, the dude who went to the Broncos, um, uh, can't even say his name. No, I just can't. I, I'm 
uh, Randy Randy Gregory. Gregory. There you go. Um, Mr. Nebraska with Randy Gregory and uh, over stupid little contract stuff that you try to score him in at the last second. I liked what they added to the defensive side in terms of pass rush. I actually like adding Dante Fowler Jr. Um, and uh, there was another guy that they added who I really liked as well. Um, and I think Anthony Barr is going to help as well uh, because Micah Parsons is going to be the focus of teams defensively on the pass rush. But those other guys can step up and get you about five or six sacks on the year and can really help you out. Um, I really like the James Washington pickup when they signed him. I thought that that was a really solid uh, kind of slot uh, wide receiver in waiting. I thought he could put up like 70 catches and 800 yards or so on the season. He got hurt. We'll have to wait longer to see how it works out. Um, but in terms of, in terms of, I think the smartest move they made offensively was actually franchise tagging Dalton Schultz. Um, this dude really came on last year, 78 catches, 808 yards, eight touchdowns. Um, uh, walking into last season, the dude didn't even have 78 catches in his career. He only had four touchdowns in his career. He became tight end number one. And in an offensive system where the Cowboys have loved having solid tight ends for a very long time, Dalton Schultz looked like kind of the next big one. Um, I think he's going to work really well there. I think that he and CD lamb are going to be the, the, uh, safety valves for uh Dak Prescott but Dallas is also they're they're very clearly embracing a two running back system with Tony Pollard and Ezekiel Elliott and that's great on paper if you have the offensive line to back it up and in all actuality and honesty they don't have the offensive line at this point to back it up um tons of just losses on there so Let's move into their draft where they did address some of the positions that you guys have talked about there. Um, in the first round, pick number 24, they took Tyler Smith, tackle out of Tulsa. They followed it up in the second round, taking Sam Williams, edge rusher out of Ole Miss. In the third round, they took uh, Jalen Tolbert, wide receiver out of South Alabama, uh, taller, faster guy. In the fourth round, they took uh, Barry Alvarez in Wisconsin's own Jake Ferguson, tight end out of Wisconsin. Um, in the fifth rounds, they took Matt uh, Waletsko, offensive tackle out of North Dakota and Deron Bland, corner out of Fresno State. Uh, they also took uh, Damone Clark, linebacker out of LSU, and John Ridgeway, defense tackle out of Arkansas. And in the sixth round, they took Devin Harper, linebacker out of Oklahoma State. So uh, a, a mix there between offensive and defensive. Some A uh, little bit of help on the offensive line, got some guys, um, go to the pass-catching position at wide receiver and tight end, and then address all three levels on defense there. So grading their draft and what they gave up or what they received, I, I should take, say, uh, for the Amari Cooper uh, trade. Uh, Mitch, how do you grade the Dallas Cowboys draft? I'm going to go with the C+. Um, the Tyler Smith pick was really interesting. Um, I didn't feel good about it, and I especially didn't feel good about it when, like, the offensive, like, gurus and, like, past offensive linemen were like, Tyler Smith is not a good pick for them, especially in the first round. So that makes me a little bit nervous, and – even though he did kind of settle down into that left guard spot, now putting him in left tackle because of the Tyron Smith uh, injuries going to be interesting to see because now he's kind of playing out of uh, comfort. So we'll see how that holds up for them. Um, and then I like the Jalen Tolbert pick. Obviously they needed to infuse themselves with wide receiver talent last year. He had 82 catches, uh, almost 1500 yards, eight touchdowns and average 18 yards a catch. Um, I think he could be a very nice uh, number two to C.D. Lamb for years to come. Um, even though he's a little bit buried on the depth chart right now, I think he'll he'll take a, an adjustment year, obviously. 
Um, and then the other pick that I like besides uh, the four-time grandson of the year is uh, Damon Clark from LSU. Uh, he's going to be out for the year just because of his injury. But I think when he's healthy, he's a really great playmaker. Uh, last year, 135 tackles, 15 of them for a loss, five and a half sacks, a pick, and two forced fumbles. Um, so if they can get this guy back to healthy and what how he was playing at LSU, uh, between him and Micah Parsons, uh, they could have a, a real dangerous doer at the, the linebacker slash edge position. Um, I have to look. Sorry, I was looking at who got cut today. Um, I I will. I'll on the Tyron Smith pick. I sorry, Tyler Smith pick. Sorry, got got some people mixed up in my head. Um, I honestly think he's actually he's it was a good pick. Um. He, there is going to be a learning curve. I will completely and totally own up to it. Um, he's the, the thing is that he's a little slower, and that's that is bad as a ta- as a tackle. But it's not something that he can't work on and get a mobility because as soon as the guy's hands gets on your pads, it's done. It's over. You're knocking to the ground. You're not getting to the quarterback. Um, so working on that speed to get it up to to get where it needs to be in terms of getting off the uh, getting off the ball. That's something that they can definitely work on. I I have all the faith in the world for that. It's honestly I like it as a pick, um specifically with, I some of the other picks that were being made made around them, um and hindsight is twenty twenty. You could have taken a guard. You could have taken someone else to try to kind of come in, um to help. But at that time in that moment, I think it was a good pick. Um, when I the Sam Williams, I don't really like. Um, he's a very very fast player, but he needs to be able to differentiate how he gets pressure um and specifically when we're thinking about like how bet how much better the offensive lines um have gotten throughout the year uh throughout the nfc east and then also in terms of like not just that but when you're trying to go up against some of the better teams in the nfc and trying to move up those teams have some of the best offensive lines in football and so trying to like he needs to take a second level uh like a second step in order for them to um for him to get better uh the Jalen Tolbert signing or draw pick I absolutely love um I think this guy could have been a second round pick uh he against like Coastal Carolina in his final game he had 191 yards on 10 catches um he it was completely and totally able to blow past some guys. Um, and again, this is, there's going to be a, a learning curve, but I definitely think that he steps in and is able to replace some of those losses that you received. He had a 44.4% contested catch rate. That's made like basically it's a, it's an actual 50, 50 ball when he's going up to catch it. Um, he was seventh in deep yards. Uh, he, was able to do like be that deep threat that people needed him to be. He was averaging 18 yards per reception in his senior year. Um, had back to back a thousand yard seasons. Um, was able to increase his production. Um, with and, and w- able to move at slot and and wide. I like forgetting him in the third round. Jalen Tolbert's going to be a great player for them. Um, sorry. Um. I don't really like the Jake Ferguson pick and it has nothing to do with the fact that he's from Wisconsin. It really doesn't. 
he wasn't even the best tight end in the Big Ten, being honest, this last year. He wasn't. I think he got because he if I'm correct me if I'm wrong. Um they came from Ohio State, got drafted before him, and he didn't even win the best tight end of the year award this last season. Uh Jake Ferguson? Uh, uh no. No. Okay. So like like he's a good he is a good player. Jake Ferguson is a good player, but for what they need and for who is available, we're seeing Isaiah likely completely and totally destroy everyone in his path. Thank you. Thank you. You're welcome. You. Still wasn't drafted in the first round. Um the that that is like that's where like for someone that you need to step back and like be the Dalton Schultz era parents. I don't know if that's going to be capable because he's not he he isn't big enough to be an inline blocker and he isn't fast enough to be a receiver. He's in this weird kind of um middle ground where you can you can get him to the you can bulk him up and make him an inline blocker and you can help him work on his mobility and he can become faster, but like it's it's I don't know because he they're gonna need him to be the second option. I don't know if he can be the second option yet. Um I love the North Dakota Dakota tackle. Um they continue like he's got a seven foot one wingspan. Um like he's done amazing. He just needs to continue to get work and get used to uh this new level. Uh getting the quarterback. I love that you draft um go defensive the rest of it, getting the cornerback out of Fresno State, getting the linebacker out of LSU. Um he was a starter from 2020. Uh so he and he definitely had his his moments, but he is very he is going to continue to do well. Uh he dropped because he had a herniated disc at the combine. Um I I honestly don't mind this draft. I think it's actually pretty good. I my brain's just kind of gone, so I can't go into everybody. I give it like a solid B. I think that you draft two tight uh tackles. Like if I I don't know if they looked into the future, but you got two tackles, you got a wide receiver um to help replace some of the loss of Amari Cooper and Cedric Wilson. Um, you got uh you went defensive and getting another defensive back, getting a linebacker, really going after all of those different areas. The only thing I would have liked more of is if you addressed more like interior offensive line, um and like a safety. Um, I think would have helped keep it at a B or uh, uh, keep it go a little bit higher to an A. Um, and there are some players that I wish you just didn't pick and pick somebody else. So that's where it stays at a B. Um, so hindsight always colors this stuff, you know, 2020, but even coming out of the draft, um, I give their draft an A minus. Um, I really, really like this Cowboys draft. Tyler Smith. Listen, you go, you go multiple spots in the, well, you go multiple offensive linemen at tackle, which to me works really well. I agreed with, I agree with Mitch. He felt a lot more comfortable at left guard, but now he, now he's going to be forced to play tackle just due to the injuries. Um, I I wouldn't be surprised if they end up moving him back there. He's right now listed as both the starting right tackle and backup left guard, or sorry, starting left tackle and backup left guard. That's how thin Dallas is on the offensive line. Um, They've only got 10 offensive linemen on roster as of right now. Um, so going multiple spots with the offensive line, I love it. Sam Williams, I think, is a great pick. He had 12 and a half sacks in the SEC last year, uh, 15 tackles for loss, which was number four in the SEC, and four forced fumbles. The dude is he's solid enough to be a, a good pass rusher. He's not going to be Micah Parsons, um, but he's going to get you a good amount of sacks and given and a good amount of pressure. And given the the fact that 
uh, Dallas did lose some pass rushing ability and is sacrificing uh, linebacker play for pass rushing, or sorry, sacrificing pass rushing ability for linebacker play, given that you uh, brought in Anthony Barr, which means that Micah Parsons is going to line up more often at, pat, at edge rusher than he is at uh, interior uh, linebacker. Um, I love, <clears throat> I love the pick Jalen Tolbert. Um, I think is a fantastic pick as well. I was high on this guy coming out of the draft. Um, I think that he's going to fit in there at a number three spot and the production that I envision for James Washington is going to end up going to him. And I disagree with Skyler. I think Jake Ferguson is perfect for what Mike McCarthy and the Dallas Cowboys want to do. He's a backup tight end. He's not expected to be the starter. He's not expected to be anybody's heir apparent. But he's, uh, I don't understand how at 6'5", 245 pounds, he's not big enough to be an interior blocker or to run routes. The dude had 40 catches almost every single year at Wisconsin. He suffered from having Graham Mertz be his quarterback and some other bad quarterbacks. Um, he, he's big enough to chip block on the inside to allow Dallas, who is going to struggle with their offensive line, to, <coughs> excuse me, to run two tight end sets. Um, where, yeah, sure, maybe Ferguson comes out and, and uh, catches a couple of passes, but that's not going to be his expectation. He's going to run very similarly, I feel like, to how uh, Mercedes Lewis is used with the Green Bay Packers, um, or even how, like, Jonu Smith was used last year with the uh, New England Patriots. He's not going to be a number one weapon out there, but given that you do have injuries at the pass-catching uh, position, um, having a backup tight end who can step in and throw blocks, can throw chip blocks, for your offensive line, which is in tatters right now, is absolutely huge. And that's the part of the game – that's the part of Dalton Schultz's game that he he isn't very good at is that uh, uh, chip blocking, pass blocking, run blocking aspect of it, which Jake Ferguson absolutely excels at. Um, I love the Deron Bland pick at corner. My only kind of knock is that I really wish they would have gone more in-depth in the secondary. But then, then you pick up a defensive tackle. You pick up a linebacker. You end up signing Anthony Barr afterwards. All in all, I'm okay with it. The, the thing the thing with Mike McCarthy's draft classes is, as it's always been is that they've always struggled to keep talented depth behind the starters and when I view this draft class as a lot of these guys being talented depth I really like it now because of injury and because of the fact that we're doing this 10 days before the season starts um a lot of these guys like Jalen Tolbert, Sam Williams, Tyler Smith are going to have to step up and get meaningful starting snaps, which was not their expectation when drafted, um, really outside of Sam Williams and Tyler Smith. Um, and, and so are a lot of the backups there. But I, I think it's going to help them in the long run. I Every area of weakness Dallas has, I feel like they address it at some point in this draft. Um, which So, yeah, I give them an A- on it. I think it's a really solid draft all in all. Yeah. Can I say one thing uh-huh. about Jake? For you, you're right. Having 40 reception, like he was consistent, but he was the number one option the last two years at at Wisconsin and the other. In his first two years, he was the number two option in terms of production, and it never increased. Yeah, in his and, last two seasons, he had who at quarterback? Who you guys said was going to be the best quarterback that ever came to Wisconsin? And again, Skyler, hindsight is twenty twenty here. No, I agree. But if we're, but talk- saying- if we're talking about a dude getting the majority of catches on a team that throws the ball twenty to twenty five times a game, maybe it's not terrible. No, but like what I am saying is it's not good. Like if you're talking about him being a number two option and the guy, like I'm, I'm sorry, like uh, what was his, what was his combine? 
like when he was running, like what, what he, he had a 4.73 40 yard dash. Like that's not fast enough to be a, an over, like when we're you're talk, comparing him to like John U. Smith, who, uh, what was his 40 time? His 40, he, he was a uh, 0.1 of a second faster. And so like, Again, not that much of a difference, like not that big of a difference, but it can make a difference when we're talking about how you're using him. I don't, I can't see Jake Ferguson being used in the same way that John U. Smith is used, where it's end arounds, where it's short, quick slants, like those kinds of things. Like I, like I understand. Like I get it. Let me ask you. Let me ask you a question. I'm gonna read off yeah. two statistics for you, and you tell me without looking at your own statistics. You tell me who the better tight end is. Okay. Got it. Twenty-two catches. 314 yards, four touchdowns, or one second, 46 catches, 450 yards, three touchdowns. Okay. Well, so 22 catches, mm-hmm. 326 yards, 314 yards, 314 yards, and four touchdowns, mm-hmm. 46 catches, 450 yards. 450 yards three touchdowns three touchdowns i would i would have to go i i'd have to go with a why more productive every time you got a catch every time you got a catch you got more yards he had a higher percentage of touchdowns he like wasn't getting as many receptions but when he did catch the ball he was more productive so you think you think 24 fewer receptions for a hunt almost 150 fewer yards but one touchdown more is better than B. Yes, because he because B had 20 more touchdowns or 20, 20 more, catches. more catches averaging about 10 yards a catch. But was only averaging so if we're doing 22 catches for 300 yards, mm-hmm. you're averaging right about 14.3 yards per catch. 14.3 yards per catch. Okay, and if we're doing four 40 some catches for 400 yards that's right around 10 yards per catch so like i so i'm gonna okay. say then then let's then, then let's go let's no, go harder I'm... let's go let's go whole college career okay a 48 737 and 10 40 48 737 and 10 got it yep b 145 145 1618 1,608. A or B? Okay, again, the first person had 30 less catches, 300 less yards, and five less touchdowns? No, the person had 97 fewer catches, 97 fewer thousand fewer yards, and five fewer touchdowns. Let me let me read those stats off for me one more time so that I can so that I can write this down. You want A or B first? A first, please. 48. Uh 737. And eight. And ten. And ten. Got it. And that comes out to 15.4 yards per catch. Got it. Okay. Versus 145. 145. 16-18. 16, 18, 13, 13 comes out to 11.2 yards per catch. Okay. And was a, a four-year starter. 
Um, no, he was not. Okay, I'm picking A. Fetch <laughs> A or B? Uh, B. Why? I'm pick. Uh, I mean, over a thousand yards career-wise, I think that's good. Thirteen touchdowns, that's good. Um, and 145 catches, so you know he, you know the likelihood of him dropping it is pretty low, and uh, it shows that he can be used as uh, a safety valve. All right, all all I have to say is with A, for every what. Every five catches, he's scoring a touchdown, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. With B, every ten catches, he's scoring a touchdown. Mm-hmm. He's getting four po- uh, three point no, four point two more yards per catch. And again, yes, if we're looking at total numbers, he has a a, a hundred less catches and almost a thousand less yards. Yep. Okay, but I'm also saying when he when A is on the field. And is getting the ball, he is very, very effective with what he's doing. So A. I'm but I guess a. the counter argument to that would be that B is way more open since he has twice as many since he has a okay. hundred more how catches many, than A does. How many years? How many years did A start in college? How many years did A start in college? Two. How many years did B start in college? Four. You want to know A's two years starting in college? You want to know the statistics those two years? His better one was the senior year that I quoted you. Uh, junior year, 20 catches, 290 yards, six touchdowns. Okay. Great red zone threat. Caught a yeah. touchdown almost every four passes. Yeah. Only caught 20 passes the entire season. Got a it. is George Kittle. B okay. is Jake Ferguson. So you don't need you don't need Jake for, for, for Jake Ferguson not being dominant. Well, neither was George Kittle. Neither was other fantastic uh, uh, Big Ten tight ends just throughout history, right? You, you, j- everything that George Kittle did in college, which got him a fourth round pick, right, or a third round pick, I don't quite remember for sure. Um, Jake Ferguson did twice as much of with an offense that throws the ball even less than Iowa does in a system where he's the only weapon, and. For about the same amount of value is jake ferguson george kittle no george kittle ran a 4.52 40 yard dash jake ferguson ran a 4.73 40 yard dash um they're 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 somewhat different players don't get me wrong but wisconsin tight ends have found success in the nfl big 10 tight ends have found success in the nfl and if there's one team one system after having guys like dalton schultz who again put up nearly 80 catches 800 yards eight touchdowns last year coming off of careers of guys like jason Witten in the past it's a Dallas Cowboys. Mike McCarthy knows how to use tight ends. He knows how to use tight ends and blocking and two tight end formations. And it's what he's going to use them most effectively for. Um, so, so listen, I, Jake Ferguson's listed tight end number two. He's going to get meaningful minutes. Um, and, and I think he's, I think he's a solid overall pick. And I'm fairly mm-hmm. confident Skyler was only saying a, because he did know Jake Ferguson's stats. There. No, cause I no Cause I am honestly saying if I'm having a tight end that is on the field and every time he is catching the ball, he is averaging 15 yards per catch and every five catches he's averaging a touchdown. I'm going to take that every but time. 45 career catches versus 142 versus Brady, 148. It, it's, it, you're, ta- you're, talking, you're talking about I'd rather take pennies versus dollars. Uh, yes, I am pay- taking dollars over pennies. No, I am no taking you're taking I'm... pennies over dollars. 
you're taking no, you're not. taking a dude who you're taking a dude who has uh five who has 10 touchdowns versus 15 touchdowns so already player b has more touchdowns on his career than player a does in a system that we can yes. all agree and he played two less throws years the ball, throws the ball. no they played the he, same amount of years he started for two less years he played the same amount of years but even in the two years george kittle started he never got more than 22 catches in a season jake ferguson never had a season with less than 30 catches so 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 explain to me then this okay so how many games so in in total george george kittle in college played a total of 25 games how many games did uh did jake ferguson play in college how many games did jake ferguson play in college Jake Ferguson played in 20, 20, 47. 47. Mm-hmm. So Kittle Kittle played in six less games. Mm-hmm. Or no, Kittle Kittle played in wait, you said how many? 47. 47. 47. So he played in 22 less games. Two full mm-hmm. seasons. Why what like and in those is two full seasons. Or let's say it. Well, let me just look at the two full seasons of 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 George Kittle that he played. He was the fourth leading receiver in his second in his in his first year and or in uh or in his last year actually. Sorry, mm-hmm. and in his junior year, he was the fifth leading receiver. So both times there were at least three players that had more receptions than him. Mm-hmm. And he still produced about half of what Jake Ferguson did in about half the time. No, not even close to half. Okay. So let me only only close to half in terms of touchdowns, but not and yards. Not really. You're talking about north of 1600 versus sub eight. Okay. So, so let me just, and, and this again, is the last one. 98 okay, so... fewer catches. Okay, so we'll go, we'll go, we just times it by two, right? Mm-hmm. Okay, so 96 catches total then. Because, so that, yes, much less than what uh, Jake Ferguson was able to produce at Wisconsin. Mm-hmm. We're going to go in terms of yards. We are going to go. Uh, 1,474, which is right about 150 yards less than Jake Ferguson produced at Wisconsin. So that's okay. That's about, about close. That's closer. That's, that's pretty close. And then if we times touchdowns by two, he has seven more. So why, so why doesn't he have the stats though? Why was he fourth on his team versus Jake Ferguson being first? Because he wasn't the best player on his team. Great. Neither was Jake Ferguson. But Jake nobody Ferguson claimed was Jake the leading. Ferguson. But nobody claimed Jake Ferguson was. But Jake Ferguson right? was the leading receiver on his team two years in a row and was the second leading receiver the other two years. On a Wisconsin system that we all agree throws the ball less than Iowa does and has worse playmakers across the board, 
and worst quarterback play in many instances. So, so okay, all I'm saying, all I'm saying is just don't write off Jake Ferguson for any any I, reason I, here yet. I think compare. Okay, all right. I'll, I'm just gonna stop talking because we can sit there and compare him to Noah Fant's stats, a first round pick as well, and he holds up in that regard, also. So let's move on to our season prediction there. Uh, Cowboys waffles. Jesus. Cowboys start the season off uh, with a rematch of their week one uh, last year when they host this year, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. They followed it up playing the reigning AFC champion Cincinnati Bengals before going to the Giants back home against Washington at the reigning Super Bowl champion Rams. Then they go to Philadelphia home against Detroit and Chicago before a bye week. They come out of their bye week with back-to-back NFC North games. They, they run uh, play all four NFC North teams in a row. At Green Bay, at Minnesota, Mike McCarthy's return to uh, Lambeau. Then they close the season home against the Giants, Colts, and Texans before going to Jacksonville, home against Philadelphia, at Tennessee, and finish out at Washington. So 12-5 and five last year, lost some key pieces, gained some others. Mitch, how do you have the Cowboys finishing in 2022? Excuse me. Um, I have them going 8-9. I just think with how the division is, uh, I I think uh, outside of the Giants, I think the Eagles got a lot better, um, especially after today. I think Washington is still solid. Um, and especially with the Tyron Smith uh, injury, now basically the only reliable uh, offensive, offensive line player you have is Zach Martin at right guard. And when you have to face – that Washington defensive line. Now, granted, in that uh, week four game, Chase Young won't be there because he's on PUP. Um, but you still have to try to block Jonathan Allen, uh, Deron Payne, and Montez Sweat. Um, and he'll be probably be there for that week 18 game. So that's going to be rough. I I don't think that Dak has enough weapons. Um, he has CeeDee Lamb, and then Dalton Schultz should be there. Um but it's going to be tough for them to rely on two guys because if one of them, either one of them goes down, uh, then you're kind of scratching the barrel for weapons for Dak. Um, and then I don't know what to make of Ezekiel Elliott just because of the past couple of years, he's been not what we saw in the beginning. And sure, he did have a thousand yards last year, um, but there's no guarantee he's going to be able to do that again this year. And especially with Tony Pollard, who just keeps, it looks like ascending each year. It could uh, really cut into that production. And then just kind of looking at the defense, uh, obviously there are some playmakers, but I still think the interior defensive line is still pretty weak. Um, and with Demarcus Lawrence really kind of fading, um, uh, Dante Fowler, like I said, should be fine but they really don't have that uh, consistent edge rusher outside of Michael Parsons. So I think that really could hurt them. And with Trayvon Diggs, uh, sure, he had 11 picks last year, but it's really hard to get double-digit picks a second year in a row. Um, And especially if he's going to be giving up over 1,000 yards in coverage with a pretty weak secondary, um, I think that could really bite them in the ass. And with all the losses that they had that, um, I think I think they're going to take a step back this year, and especially if Mike McCarthy can't get the penalty uh, situation really uh, fixed, as we saw in the preseason, it was still looked like a pretty bad issue. I think that's going to really hurt them in some of these close games that if they could just fix up, they could win. But if they're still going to make these dumb mistakes, I think it's really going to hurt them in games they should win. Um, so I just think that 
even with all the issues, they're still talented enough to at least uh, get to close to eight and nine. I have them going one more win than Mitch. I have them going nine and eight. Um, they do miss the playoffs for me. Um, they're actually the last team out, uh, being the eighth seed. Um, and it really is because they lose out on um, uh, divisional wins. Um, or not uh, conference wins. Um, I kind of I agree with Mitch. I think that first game is gonna be interesting because it's gonna be two completely and totally tattered offensive lines going at each other. Um, but when I'm picking between like Tom Brady and Dak Prescott, I'm gonna pick Brady every time. Um, it doesn't help that you have. I I thought that they were gonna be competitive with the Bengals, but then losing your Leal Collins to the Bengals and then losing Tyron Smith, that's gonna be hard to go up against that defensive. Uh, line which has gone better um uh going up against washington is going to be tough you have to play los angeles week five you have to play uh philadelphia week six week six which has a better d uh has gone better and i agree got better today uh, chicago has a pretty good defensive law uh defense in general that's going to be a tough game in week eight uh, you have to play at Green Bay week 10. That's going to be rough. Playing in Minnesota week 11, that's going to be tough. Playing uh, Indianapolis week 13, tough. Um, Tennessee week 17, who is going to be tough. So, I mean, really any team that's going to be able to get at the passer, and specifically teams like Los Angeles that have very, very good interior defensive linemen are going to be able to do it even better. Um, I totally agree with the trade with the um, – Trayvon Diggs, uh, thing. I he wasn't a good defensive back last year. He just got a lot of interceptions, um, because after one ep- like if you take the one shining moment for Dallas last year beating uh, uh a playoff team against New England, Trayvon Diggs uh picks off Mac Mac Jones turns in uh turns into points for Dallas Cowboys. The literal next drive gets burned by Kendrick Bourne, um, and goes for a seventy yard touchdown. Um, that's the duality of digs. And like Brady and Mitch have said, it's hard to be able to produce that amount of turnovers again. And they don't really have any defensive backs now. So going up against any team specifically, I'm thinking like Baltimore that has a ton of weapons at a ton of different uh, in a ton of different ways. That's going to be rough. Um, I, I don't know what the running back system is going to look for them. I, the wide receivers should be good. Dalton Schultz should probably have another good year. Um, defensively michael michael parsons is going to be great uh anthony barr is going to have a good year um uh i have no idea about if fowler is going to be able to produce to the level that he that he's had that he has done in other places um because the last good like the last really good year he had was in los angeles when he had 11 and a half sacks um and i don't know if he's going to be able to produce to that level again um even with the talent on the defensive line that the cowboys have so nine and eight just missing out on the playoffs is where i have them I go a game better than Skyler. I have him going ten and seven, um, and, and, making, oh. and making the playoffs. Yeah, um, I, what I, speed? No, not off the top of my head. Um, okay. I'd have to, I'd have to go back into to tiebreakers and stuff. Um, I, I think they go four and two in division. I think they split the series with Washington. They split the series with Philadelphia. Um, but there's tons of winnable games here. Listen, Detroit, Chicago, Minnesota are all winnable games for Dallas. Green Bay is a winnable game for Dallas. Yeah, Trayvon Diggs is feast or famine. It's true. But Jordan Lewis also had three interceptions last year. He had a pretty good year. They've returned a lot of their secondary. Dan Quinn's returning guys. 
They, they feel more confident that they've shored up that linebacker position. And I like their defensive line depth. I really do. I think Micah Parsons is going to get his. I think Dante Fowler and some of those other guys are going to assist Sam Mitchell as well. Um, there's tough games here. There's a good chance Dallas starts the season off two and three or two and four. <coughs> Excuse me. But uh, Indianapolis, winnable. Houston, Jacksonville, winnable. Tennessee, winnable, given the, the issues that their offense has shown um, and, and the pieces that they've lost there. Cincinnati, I wouldn't be so quick to write off as an unwinnable football game because Cincinnati still has issues, which we'll talk about in a couple of episodes here. Um, and it's the same with the Rams. We Right now, Matthew Stafford's dealing with jellyfish arm at the moment. We don't know what exactly the Rams are even going to look like. And, it, you know, Aaron Donald is a beast, but as long as he's not ripping anybody's helmet off, um, he he's handleable in certain instances. I, I'm not going to say he's – He's going to be more than a handful for this Dallas offensive line, but I, I feel comfortable. Dallas has done a great job in recent years of turning issues on their offensive line, not from a weakness to a strength, but from something that won't fully kill them. They're not going to be as good as they were last year, but I think them using Ezekiel Elliott and Tony Pollard, I think making seating lamb, the number one guy, but remember this team also returns uh, Michael Gallup as well as Dalton Schultz. Um, Michael Gallup, who was the number two guy there in Dallas until they drafted CeeDee Lamb, he's now going to get his shot to be the number two guy again. I like Jalen Tolbert. Um, you still got Zach Martin on the interior of that offensive line, so that helps. And Andrew Biotish, who is a, you know, he's not the center you had in Travis Fredericks, but he's a solid enough center. He's a guy that you feel comfortable enough with back there. Um, and in a lot of these matchups, I, we take week one, for example, right? Tampa Bay versus Dallas. We know what Tom Brady can do. There's no doubt about that, right? But Tom Brady is a quarterback who, statistically speaking, is going to lose football games if you sack him three times or more in a football game. Dak Prescott has a little bit more mobility to him. He has a little bit more ability to get out of the pocket than Tom Brady does. That's not, that's not saying that Tom Brady doesn't have that ability. He absolutely does. I think he's going to be more than a handful for Dallas. But there's lots of things that a lot of these other quarterbacks that Dallas has to play, what they do, Dak Prescott has shown the ability to do. And in many instances do better. There's not many matchups on this schedule where you wouldn't say Dak Prescott is the better quarterback uh, uh, on in that matchup there. I think 10 and seven, I think they make the playoffs. Um, I don't see them going much worse than that barring severe and serious catastrophic injuries going through the rest of the season here. Um, and, and I think they're going to get healthier as the season goes along. They got a tough first start to the schedule, but they have areas where they can get streaky, get going. Remember this team was nine and one against teams who didn't make the playoffs three and four against teams who did. They've only got seven games this year against teams who made the playoffs last year. So they've got 10 games again, very winnable there. So 10 and seven for me for the Dallas Cowboys is good enough to make the playoffs. I just have to point out that in my record, I have them going six and two against losing teams and three and, and six and three against winning teams or uh, three and six versus win. Sorry, six and two versus teams with a losing record and three and six versus teams with winning records. So. So, yeah, I mean, it's all it's all going to come down to to something that we've talked about with quite a few teams. I know we brought it up with teams like Minnesota. We brought it up with the Raiders. Um, can you beat the teams that are as good as you, which Dallas showed an ability to beat teams that made the wild card last year, right? Three wins against teams who made the wild card, four losses against teams who went better than the wild card last year in terms of the playoffs. So <coughs> who knows, 
who knows what we're going to get out of Dallas. It was always kind of the case with Mike McCarthy those last few years in Green Bay where they were beating who they were supposed to beat, but they weren't beating the teams, you, you know, where they were picked as the underdog there. And, and that's where McCarthy's got to get better. Um, luckily, though, I will disagree with Mitch. I think the only team in the NFC East who's gotten significantly better, better enough to challenge Dallas, is the Philadelphia Eagles. Because as long as Danny Dimes is back there for the Giants and the redheaded stepchild that is Carson Wentz is back there for Washington, I have no concept of what those quarterback rooms and what that production is going to look like. On top of that, you got Washington talking about trading Darius Slayton already, and we already know how weak that wide receiver room is. Um, so, yeah, 10 to 7 for me. They make the playoffs. I don't see a world where they don't are in catastrophic injury, but that's our episode. We're talking about um, a team that Dallas beat last time. Dallas was in the Super Bowl, the Buffalo bills on our next episode, Josh Allen and the uh, new era bills uh, coming off of back-to-back playoff appearances lost last year, still looking for that first Super Bowl appearance in Super Bowl 29. I believe I was the last time they made it. Um, so almost 30 years now. But we're going to be talking about who they added, guys like Von Miller, um, who they lost, uh, who they drafted, uh, took uh, Dalvin Cook's little brother, James Cook there, um, and what we think the Buffalo Bills are going to look like in 2022. So we appreciate everybody for tuning in. Uh, follow us on uh, Twitter, Spotify. Uh, Mitch posted the link for our new fantasy football uh, league. Feel free to go on and join that. Um, we're having our draft here in a few weeks. Um, well, not not in a few weeks, very closely. It's a week. In a week, in yeah. Week, yeah. Um, because the NFL season starts next Thursday. Before we wrap up, Skyler, any comments on the Nebraska Northwestern game you, you feel like making to just wrap up the episode? Oh, I thought we were going to do hot takes, but. Um... Oh, sorry. I forgot about hot takes. Anybody have any hot takes for the Dallas Cowboys? Biggs Ferguson's the leading receiver. <laughs> I'm just right. kidding. Uh, I think Michael Parsons finishes in the top three again in defensive player of the year. Ooh. Scott, do you want me to make mine or you want to go next? Does anybody I was just gonna say, does anybody think uh Jake Ferguson's gonna do better than uh George Kittle in his first year? Yeah, because George Kittle is gonna take uh tear his ankle week three. Um okay. Uh no, not this year, his rookie year. Um, oh, got you. Um, no, I got two hot takes. Uh, Randy Gregory will have more sacks than Dante Fowler Jr. Dante Fowler Jr. Um, that was just one to piss off Brady. Um, and if it happens, it happens. If it doesn't, it doesn't. Um, then uh, Jalen Talbert, Jalen Talbert will have uh will finish in the top five for offensive rookie of the year, uh, voting. I'm going to make this prediction for this team, and I'm going to make it for another team in a couple of episodes. You guys can maybe guess which one it is. Um, Ezekiel Elliott and Tony Pollard will both go for over 1,200 combined yards and collectively will account for 20-plus touchdowns next year for the Dallas Cowboys. Okay. Ezekiel Elliott and Tony Pollard will combine for over – Sorry. They'll each have 1,200 yards total. Will each have – Got it. And they'll combine for 20-plus touchdowns. I'm going to guess the other team to Green Bay Packers. Because <laughs> um, it's the only team that has two running backs that can do that. Yes, absolutely. No, absolutely it is. That's, um, a, that's, a, that's an interesting – that's – I mean, I like, I like it. 
I think. Wait, let's see. What were their stats last year? Because that's where it's going to get. <coughs> see how much of a jump that is. Uh, so last year, Ezekiel Elliott had total yards. Here. total yards. He had 1,289 and 12 touchdowns. And Tony okay. Pollard had uh, 1,056 and only two touchdowns. You do know that if you go to uh... – if you go to pro football reference, it tells you how many yards from scrimmage they had. I understand that, Skyler, but I spent too long in school learning how to do mental math to not utilize my skills every now and then, okay? And I spent just as long, maybe not even more, to figure out that sometimes it's just do it the easy way. I think my, I think my numbers were correct there. But how? Okay, no, wait. Okay, how many yards did you say he had? Tony Pollard? Yeah. Uh, this has him at, at 719 rushing, 337 receiving. Okay, which would be so how many 1056. Years? You are correct, good sir. See? Okay. I'm a fart smeller, not a smart feller. That's our episode, everybody. We appreciate you for tuning in. Uh, follow us on all the bullshits. Bye.